The following is a message by Pastor Ken Prater of Durkeytown Baptist Church in Fort Edward, New York. For more information about Durkeytown, please visit our website at www.durkeytown.org. That's D-U-R-K-E-E-T-O-W-N dot O-R-G. John's letter, if you uh, want, have your Bible and you want to get to it, if your Bible's not an uh, electronic Bible, you might have a little challenge. I would just say if you, the easiest way to find 3 John is to go to Revelation, go back left two pages, and you'll probably be there, maybe three pages. If you get to uh, 1 John, you've gone too far. It's just 15 verses in the third letter that John uh, wrote. Hear the word of the Lord. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I have written something to the church, but Diotrephus, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who wants to, who want to, and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon. We will talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends, each by name. The word of the Lord. Please be seated. I am starting a series uh, from 3 John uh, here on Pentecost Sunday for uh, two reasons. The first uh, is... Uh, that when the Spirit came at Pentecost, He gave birth and breath to the church. And this brief letter uh, will encourage us as we see how much progress the church actually made. You know, a simple analogy would be that when we, you know, look at a newborn baby, we're looking at a, a person, but then as we look at that person, we're thinking about all the possibilities of that person's life that are yet uh, to be discovered. Well, in the same way, you might say that when you read, uh, when you read Acts 2, uh, it is a picture of a new baby 
Um, you know, exciting, it's fresh, it's wonderful, everybody wishes they could have been there that day, but then you have to ask questions because there are questions yet to be answered. Will the church continue on, you see? So when, when John writes this letter, it has been uh, some 60 years since uh, the first Pentecost. Uh, plenty enough time to answer the questions. Did the church go beyond Jerusalem? Did it grow in grace? Uh, did the things that we read about in Acts 2 continue to be true of the church? Did they keep all things in common? Did they eat their meals together? Uh, did they pray together? And of course, did the, did the Lord allow the church to grow daily uh, through saving people? Of course, uh, one of the primary things that we need to ask about the church as it moves out of Jerusalem and to the world is, did it hold fast to the truths that were preached on that first Pentecost? Did the church continue to be faithful to the message of the death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and exaltation of Jesus, who is the one and only Savior of the world. And so I wanted us to reflect on 3 John to ask those questions and see the answer. What happened to the church 60 years after it was born? But there's a second reason I'm preaching from this letter, and, and that is that this letter is to a local church. It is written to a local church. It is not written to a group of churches, but to one church in particular, a church perhaps that is not at all dissimilar to our own church. And so the things experienced that John will write about in this letter are experienced in our local church, or for that matter, any local church. John writes to a church that has leaders, a church that has people who cause problems. But he also is writing to a church that has people who bring blessing. But we should know that John is not just writing a letter for the sake of writing it. He is actually showing us the raw materials that the Spirit uses to build the church so that the name of Jesus Christ is made known. Gaius, Diotrephus, Demetrius, other unnamed people, they're not just kind of interesting people that we might read about. They are the people the Spirit used to continue the work of Jesus, which was started at Pentecost. Now, the same is true here. Have you ever thought about yourself as a raw material that uh, the Spirit uses to forge, to shape, to form into the image of Christ, to put into place so that what was started at Pentecost can continue here in Fort Edward now some whatever 2,000 years later. And the raw materials are all over this room. Right here in Durkeytown. And so wherever we go, whatever we do, however we go about our lives day by day, we are the materials that the Spirit is using to shape and form so that the message of Christ goes forward. So I was in East Texas last week, and, I, and let me tell you, it's not like other Texas, it's southern. It's like Mississippi, Georgia, Alabama. 
very southern, and I heard this statement, I thought, hey, I'm using that. I'm doing what is called cultural appropriation right now, okay? Uh, in this sermon today, I've kind of built it around two big blessings and one big lesson. I really like that. When I heard it said, I got a blessing and I got a lesson. And I go, hey, I can use that, you know? And I don't, I don't that doesn't need any interpretation, does it, Andrew? Um, you got it? Okay, very good. You guys okay over here? Rhonda, did I get it kind of right? Blessing and lesson? All right, Stan, you're more kind. There you are. Thank you, Stan. Came in the, I didn't wake you up at 5.30 this morning. <laughs> that was a real issue there. All right, 15 verses, 15 verses make up this this brief little very personal letter but there is one word repeated in, in this letter and it's repeated seven times so seven times in 15 verses this one word is given and that word is truth truth now for a church such as ours we would say that we hold the truth at a higher level perhaps than other churches might we apologetically preach from the bible we appeal to the bible as god's truth we ask god to lead us in the truth we pray that the spirit poured out would fill us shape us form us in the word of truth and we are of course a blessed people because we have the truth of an all-wise loving god available to us in written form the spirit poured out upon us so that when we read it we can know the truth and we can be shaped by it and have that truth actually work through us in a powerful way for God's glory and for the good of others. We hold the truth. And to reinforce this blessing, what I thought we should do this morning is to read together just a small sampling of how John uses the word truth in his gospel. In his gospel. Uh, the, the gospel of John is, is often called the gospel of belief. It ought to really be called the gospel of truth that must be believed. John writes a lot about truth. And as we read it, and we're going to put the, word, we're going to put the verses up on the screen, but as we read them, what I hope you will do is not make this an academic exercise or an intellectual exercise or like, oh, what does that mean, exercise? But that something you know, will swell up within your life a point of praise, a point of rejoicing to see that we are blessed today because God has given us his truth, the truth concerning Jesus Christ. Let's read. Uh, the words will be up on the screen for us. Uh, let's read. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory Glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace for the law was given through moses grace and truth were realized through jesus christ just keep going todd and there we go but an hour is coming and now is 
when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative. But whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. For their sakes I sanctify myself that they themselves also might be sanctified in truth. Therefore Pilate said to him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say correctly that I am a king, for this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no guilt in him. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. And he who has seen has testified, and his testimony is true. And he knows that he is telling the truth so that you also may believe. It is no accident that John arranged his gospel so that when you come to the end of it, you are asked to either side with Pilate, what is truth? Or to side with the witness who told the truth about Jesus. What did John write? He is telling the truth that you might believe. The reason that truth matters is that Jesus is the truth. And when a person turns from the lies of sin and Satan and receives the truth, that is, receives Jesus, that person is gloriously and wonderfully saved. They are saved by the truth of Jesus Christ. This is the point of praise and thanksgiving, I hope, that you felt as you read those verses that you have believed that truth, which means you are saved. What greater thing could we be rejoicing in today? That we have eternal life, not on the basis of our own works, but on the basis of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. To be saved is that first big what? Blessing. Say it with me. Blessing. Oh, you can eat some barbecue and know you've done it well. There you go. Blessing. But the blessings keep coming to those who believe. Because, of course, we are baptized in Jesus. And we are raised and seated up with Christ in the heavenly places. It is the Spirit, then, who makes these truths known to us. And as those truths are known, what do we do? We grow into maturity in Christ. These 
raw materials of our lives get put into the work of the gospel of Jesus. Truth is at the core, which is why Paul calls the church the pillar and buttress of truth. That's what he wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 3. The church is the pillar and the buttress of truth. But you should know that right after Paul writes those words to Timothy, he also says that people are falling away from the truth. Now Paul, when he writes to Timothy, and John, when he writes this letter to Gaius, are, about, are writing at about the same time. Which tells us then, some 60 years later, after Pentecost, the church was wrestling with holding fast to truth. And this is the big lesson for us today. Yes, it is a blessing to be saved and know the truth, but there is a lesson here. I mean, it was played out in our own nation over the last 250 some odd years. When this nation founded institutions throughout New England and down into Virginia and even into South Carolina, and those institutions trained pastors who would then go into churches as faithful ministers of the gospel. But they, they didn't hold fast to the truth. And those institutions began to be corrupted. And as those institutions began to be corrupted, the pastors that they were producing were also corrupted. They didn't know the truth, which then brought it into the pews and people lost the truth. And now we have no truth in buildings that house what are called churches today all over our nation. Where people no longer know the truth. The truth is not setting them free. What was true of our nation was true in the post-apostolic world as well. For some time now, I've been trying to track down and figure out the answer. What exactly happened to Christianity in North Africa? Because shortly after, you know, the gospel goes out of Jerusalem into the uttermost parts, North Africa became uh, a center of Christian uh, truth, churches, institutions. It was at one time a flourishing center of the Christian faith. In fact, some of the most influential church leaders were from North Africa. Augustine, of course, being the most well-known. And I've been trying to chase down the right answer to that question because I always assumed that, you know, Muslim invaders came and drove the Christians out, persecuted them, whatever, and that is not at all what happened. Here's what happened. The churches let go of the truth, and in particular, Trinitarian truth, that God is Father, Son, and Spirit, three equal. Because a cultural thing happened in North Africa. Muslim influence did come into the region. And what they said was, well, Muhammad is a prophet no different than Jesus was a prophet. You see, if you don't hold fast to Trinitarian truth, that Jesus is the eternal Son of God, then you're free to say, well, you know, I like your prophet better than the Jewish one. And that's exactly what happened over a very short period of time in North Africa. And they began to let go of the truth. 
And as they let go of the truth, the Muslim influence grew to such a point that Christianity really ceased to exist. Where it was one time flourishing. And the same right is true of our own nation, where Christianity really has no influence. It almost as if it doesn't exist. And all of those places that need to be re-evangelized and truth needs to come back into those regions and into those areas. You know, I wonder if we could travel back into time and ask the leaders of the various local churches, both in our own nation or, say, in North Africa, about the challenges of teaching doctrine in their church if the response would not at all you know, be unlike we get so often in America. We've gotten here uh, over the years and, and in other places as well is that people don't want to hear doctrine. They don't want to be rooted and grounded in the doctrine of the Bible. Uh, give me something practical. I need help with my money, my marriage, my kids, whatever it might be. Doctrine isn't all that practical. Oh, but doctrine is truth. And if people are not grounded in truth, they'll fall for, you know, they'll fall for anything, right? I saw the strangest thing last week in the Bible Belt there in East Texas as I'm riding in my friend's pickup truck. Of course, you've got to be riding a pickup truck. Um, he didn't have a gun rack, thank, thank goodness. But... Um, um, we're riding along, and I see this car coming at me, and I'm like, I'm looking, and this, this driver of this car has his hand out the window, and he's holding a book. And I thought, well, that's interesting. Maybe he sp- spilled some Coca-Cola on his book, and he has it out there to dry it off or something, you know? And I, I, said, to my, I said to Carl, I said, what? what's that? He goes, it's the Book of Mormon. And, and the Mormon missionaries ride down the road with their hand out, and they stop, when you're stopped at a traffic light or whatever in the car next to you and say, hey, can you, can you give me something to read? And here, you want to read this? And they give it to it. And right there in the Bible Belt, right? East Texas. Mormons are not Christians, by the way. They have no Trinitarian doctrine. Neither are Jehovah Witness. We have to hold fast to truth because if we let it go, you know, we end up like what we see all around us. Buildings that house things called churches that have no truth. Why does truth matter? It matters because the church is given truth not as a commodity to be traded, but as a trust to be guarded. And I think one of the reasons why John repeats the word truth so often as he does in this letter is because the church started to weaken on the matter of truth. And this lesson must not be lost on us. In an age when truth is up for sale to the highest bidder, we as a church have to make a much stronger commitment to holding fast to the same truth that was taught at Pentecost. The truth that Paul said is the pillar and the buttress of the church that is truth. And if we don't, we know what the outcome will be and it will not be a good one. So it was some years later then that the council at Nicaea formed in a in creedal form truth about Jesus. And we're going to put it up on the screen and I want us to read it together. Because if you're not clear on this truth, maybe you'd get a copy of this and it would help you out or talk to me and I'll be glad to give you further help. Let's read it. In talking about Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, 
begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Ghost of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried and on the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of the Father and he shall come again with glory to judge both the quick and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. When John writes to Gaius and tells them that he loves him in the truth and that he is rejoicing because he has received word that Gaius is walking in the truth, and then he tells Demetrius, who is also of the truth, that testimony is given about their truthfulness, we come really to answer the question, why does truth matter? Truth matters is because it is what is poured out upon us in Jesus Christ, and we must not let go of it. Which then takes me to the second big blessing about truth. And that is from the Spirit, who points us to Jesus, who is the truth, we receive grace and consolation. Did anyone, uh, did anyone send this last week? Thank you, Karen. Okay, Karen, God bless you, your hand was right up. I love, I love everybody else is saying, hey, wait a second, is this a trick question? Yeah, right? I mean, we're all, we're all just going to assume we're all sinners, right? Did you grieve over your sin? And after you grieved over it, you, you, you confessed it, did you seek the grace and consolation of the Holy Spirit to help you not carry shame and guilt over your sin? You see, often we know when we sin, and we often know, well, i got to pray and confess my sin, but we, we don't go to that third part. We don't appeal to the Spirit who is poured out upon the church in all of His fullness to sh- show us the grace of God in Christ and then to comfort us and to console us. I mean, isn't that what you know, we might have done as parents? When our kids did something wrong and they fessed up to it and then they got some discipline, and then we brought them and we sat them in our lap and we hugged them and we say, you know, we love you. I mean, isn't that what we do? Did you know that's what the Spirit does for you? Anybody sad? Anybody troubled? Maybe you got unanswered questions in your life. Maybe you got health concerns or somebody else that you love and know has health concerns. Maybe you've just been through a real stressful, anxious time. Maybe all of this COVID thing, you know, has just been so discouraging and so, so depressing. Have you appealed to the Holy Spirit who has poured out upon us to point us to the truth of who Jesus is? Because it is through the Spirit then we find grace and we find consolation. You see, when we sin, we are not only forgiven, but through grace we are comforted and helped. And when we have hard times and we are struggling and we might even believe ourselves to be inconsolable, The Spirit of God comes to us and points us to the truth of Jesus. And we receive what is called the consolation of the Holy Spirit. 
if great sadness has hit your life, if, if great hardship has invaded you, if it has seemed to overcome you, I would encourage you to, to appeal to the Spirit who points you to the truth of Jesus. This is the great blessing. Not the hard edge of truth necessarily, but truth of the shepherd who comes and leads us through pastures that are green and beside still waters and restores our soul. This is the joy that uh, John writes in this very personal letter as he reflects on his friendship with, uh, with Gaius and with Demetrius and the other brothers and sisters in Christ. That's why I love the last verses of this letter. So very personal when he writes, you know, I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write in pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends each by name. It's a, it's a very personal appeal. Yeah, there were troubles apparently in the church. But John says, you know what? No more Zoom meetings. <laughs> no more online conferencing. No more phone calls or text. I want to see you face to face. I don't know if John got to or not. We're not told. But that was his heart's desire. You say, well, in that Acts 2 church, they got together every day. They were eating together and they were just enjoying each other's company. Did it continue? Yes. That dynamic of fellowship wasn't lost this is a big question we're going to have to answer right a church that has struggled greatly with just being together and i'm not talking about covid this was long before covid started why don't we hold in high regard the fellowship of the believer together so that the Spirit poured out upon us then allows us to encourage and help each other with the grace and the consolation of the Holy Spirit. So why does truth matter? Truth matters because it is through Jesus that we find the help we need for our sins, for the hardship, for the difficulties, and that is, in fact, a blessing. It is. But we must hold fast to the truth because if we let the truth go, we let go of that which saves us and consoles us. There's the lesson. But truth matters most because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And that, my friends, we find to be the biggest blessing of all, that we have Jesus. Let me pray. Father, uh, we give you thanks now for your word and as we um, obey its instruction and come before the table of our Lord to eat and drink of the blessing of Christ would we uh, right now in our own hearts and minds pause and ask uh, are we are we ready to receive it by faith let us be quick to confess our sins but then let us be quick to run to the Spirit that pours out grace on us right now. And Father, I pray that as a church which struggles around fellowship, around a desire to be together, that we might see how the truth leads us not only into the fellowship with God the Father, Son, and Spirit, 
but fellowship with the people of Christ in this blessed place we call the church. I'll give you a few moments to uh, prepare your own heart for the table, and I'll lead us in it, in, in, as I said, in just a moment. Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Ken Prater of Durkeytown Baptist Church in Fort Edward, New York. You may freely copy and distribute this message, but please do so at no charge and without altering the contents in any way. For more information about Durkeytown, please visit our website at www.durkeytown.org.